I think you probably hear me say this all the time, but this is the best scripture in all of the, in all of the Bible. Do I say that often? The very best reading we have all year long. I think it's probably true every time I say it, but truly this is one of my favorites. The day when we light the pink candle of joy and we remember Mary's song of rejoicing as she sings, My Soul Rejoices. But even though the scripture reading this morning begins with what is called the Magnificat, I think of this story as something like a musical in three parts. Do we have musical fans in the room? I'm sure we do. If it were three parts, we would call these scenes the Annunciation, when the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and gives her the good news. And then part two is when she rushes to her cousin Elizabeth, and Elizabeth says, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And then the third part is this, the Magnificat, Mary's song of praise. But I feel like to really understand it fully, I'm going to back up and read it, all three scenes, the Annunciation, Visitation, and Magnificat. So I'm going to begin in verse 26 instead of 46. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by these words and pondered what sort of a greeting this might be. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me? That the mother of my Lord comes to me, for as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, although I always think of it as, and Mary sang, because this is a song. And Mary sang, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, 
For the Holy One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich empty away. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors and to Abraham and his descendants forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. May God add a blessing to the reading, the hearing, and the understanding of God's holy word. So the Annunciation with the angel and Mary, the visitation between Mary and Elizabeth, and the Magnificat, these three parts have inspired some of the most beautiful works of art. The Annunciation is one of the favorite themes that painters, Christian painters, have created throughout our 2,000-year history. And the visitation, which is the words carrying on, picking up where the angel left off with Ave Maria, Hail Mary, full of grace. And those are the words that go on to be the rosary prayer that people pray when they're praying to Mary. And then the Magnificat, which has inspired so many beautiful settings of music. So all of these pieces, like, like a musical in three parts. So... I want you to close your eyes now and call to mind Mary. What does she look like to you? I imagine she's wearing blue, lapis lazuli, a crushed up semi-precious stone that artists purified and then painted her in this beautiful blue gown, the queen of heaven. I imagine that the Annunciation, maybe Gabriel is in the scene. Maybe he has just swept down and has startled her in the middle of a task. I imagine there are lilies in the scene. Lilies are a symbol of Mary's purity. And as you imagine Mary, you might picture her against the backdrop of columns that might look something like a church. that it is foretelling what is to come. And if you imagine Mary with the angel greeting her, you might now notice up in the corner a dove descending on her as the angel explains how it is that this could be, that the Holy Spirit will come upon her. And then I invite you, draw into your scene one of the most important details of all, a book. The artists always show Mary reading. Now I invite you to open your eyes and let's think together about Mary. In this room, I imagine that half of us come from a Catholic background, or maybe half of us might feel half Catholic, that maybe one of our parents is Catholic, or maybe we've married into a Catholic family. The traditions now, thank God, we do not have such hard lines between our denominations, our faith traditions, and we're in a place now where I think we can learn from one another. But I would say 
that one of the things people wonder when they're curious about our church is what we have to say about Mary. Do we pray to her? Well, no, we don't exactly. I think that the pendulum swung so far the other way that what we have to say about Mary in this tradition, funnily enough, the first one to ordain women, has almost nothing to say about Mary. The pendulum swung so far that we almost ignore her. We have no idea what to say about Mary, what to make of her, what to do with with her. So I want to invite us all to let the pendulum come to center, to think together about Mary, Mary who ponders. I invite you to continue pondering Mary. Let's try to wrap our minds and enliven our faith, stretch our imaginations as we ponder Mary together. I think what we've always focused on, Mary's virginity, is the least interesting thing about her. She has so many titles, the Queen of Heaven, Our Lady of Perpetual Hope, the Blessed Mother. And I think that what we can learn about her, not just through the paintings, this long-standing artistic tradition, I brought in a favorite book of mine, and I invite you to come look at it during coffee hour with me and see some of these images that come to mind, all of these pictures. And I promise you won't find one that doesn't have a book in it. (laughs) Is to look at the scripture again with new eyes and learn directly from Mary herself what she says and does about who she is. There is a concept called thisness. There is a thisness to each and every one of you, a unique essence of who you are. And I want to try to discover the thisness of Mary. Who is Mary really? What is she all about? And what I discover when I encounter Mary is not this humble Mary, meek and mild, this silent little person sweeping in the corner with nothing to say. I think we have this sort of invention from the 1950s when women were encouraged to stay home so that, I mean, this is a whole other thing. I think men were returning from World War II and they needed women to leave the workforce, which they had entered in force, and encourage them to stay home and care for the home. There's actually a children's book in the basement, I kid you not, that has a picture of a very blonde Mary sweeping the house for a very blonde little Jesus, and it said Mary loved to stay home and care for the home. Completely anachronistic. So here's Mary, really. I think she was a theologian. She quotes the Bible in the Magnificat. She didn't just make this up out of thin air. Her Magnificat shows her incredible, profound understanding of who God is, what God is up to. She, can you quote scripture just like that? Can you call to mind the perfect quote right off the bat? She has the perfect response in her song. And she, throughout what she's saying, she shows she knows what's going on. That song, Mary, Did You Know?, completely misses the point of what Mary proclaims first, what Mary truly understands, even from the very first line of what she sings. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. This is a profound theological claim, that she has a soul that glorifies God. How can your soul glorify the Most High God? But hers does. She shines a light back on the almighty source of light, and her spirit rejoices in God, her Savior. These are two Greek words 
pneuma, which is the breath, and then her spirit, which is the word we get psyche from, her suke, her suke, the essence, her very essence, her very thisness, who Mary is, that quality that makes her her. And then she goes on to explain salvation history. This is just so profound. All generations will call her blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for her, and holy is his name, that his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. And she traces this back to Abraham. She talks about the faithfulness of God and fulfilling what it is that God had promised, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as, she, as he promised our ancestors. And in so many of the pictures, Mary has the book open, which you must assume is scripture, and some people think she's pointing to Isaiah, these passages we've been wrestling with over the last few weeks. These Advent passages that are describing this future state of peace when the Messiah comes and God brings shalom and sets everything to rights. Mary knows everything that God is up to. And when she's invited in to work with God for this promise, that she would have the presence of mind to first debate an angel. If an angel swept down on golden wings and said something to you, would you have the presence of mind to talk back and ask questions? Ask those important clarifying questions. And then once she's done this, she gives her yes. She gives her, may it be with me according to your word. She assents to being part of God's plan for creation. This is no meek or mild young woman. This is, yes, a teenager. Yes, very, very young to have not been married yet at this time. But she is brave and she is bold. And I think along with the titles she already has, we could add so many more. Mary, the theologian. Mary, the debater. Mary, the one who ponders. Mary, the one who asks questions. Mary, the brave. So for God to decide to become a human baby, I have to think about, I mean, and what a perfect sermon illustration we have right here with baby Calais. A fragile baby with curled up fists who can do nothing to care for itself, who can wail as its only source of communication, whether they're hungry or tired or need to be changed, for God, omnipotent, all-powerful, all-knowing God, to take on human flesh and begin in Mary's womb and be born into this world as helpless as a new baby. And yet, I also have to believe that God knew exactly the mother that he was choosing. And just as Calais has two beautiful mothers who will love and nurture and support her, God trusted Mary to hold him, to know what he needed, to answer his cries, to feed him, to change him, to sing to him, to love him. God chose this one mother, this powerful, brave, strong theologian mother, to raise him up in the form of Jesus. So Mary the studious, Mary the mother, who was she that God of all creation would choose her? 
And then to think, if you also do come and join me at Fellowship Hour and look at these pictures, you will also see that what she has taken on is not just the pride and joy of being a mother to an infant. Children grow up, don't they? And she had the challenge of raising this teenager who would escape her, and then, of course, this young man who would begin his earthly ministry and who would ultimately go to the cross. What Mary faced was unlike any other. She's not technically a martyr in that she did not go to the cross herself, but those of you who have watched a child suffer would agree that what she endured was worse. It is worse to be the parent of someone who suffers or to love someone who suffers and not be able to take their suffering on yourself. There are those of you who have watched this who can assent that that is worse than feeling physical pain is to be helpless in the face of someone else. So in many of these works of art, there is also sometimes a cross in the background foreshadowing what is to come and the suffering that she will endure. And maybe when you called Mary to mind, the first image that came to you is Michelangelo's Pieta. She still has the face of a 13-year-old, but her lap is strong enough, her arms are strong enough to hold this adult body of a man, her son Jesus, who was taken off the cross. What she had to suffer and endure. I reject it entirely when people say God never gives you more than you can handle. I think sometimes we do have more than we can handle, but God promises to bear it with us. And I trust that she had to lean on God Almighty to make it through what she went through. That she had to dig down to the depths of her soul to trust in God's love and walking with her so that she could bear the truly unbearable. So I do hope that as Protestants, the pendulum might land for us in a way where we can truly honor and learn from Mary that we, have, that we can rediscover a place. I think in many Catholic homes there is probably an icon of Mary. There only is one in my home when it's Advent and we bring out our crash. If you bring out a crash this year that has a little nativity scene, and a little Mary, I encourage you to put it somewhere special and experience what it feels like to have this tangible reminder of Mary in your home. Or if you don't have a crush, I imagine you might get a Christmas card this year that will have a beautiful picture of Mary looking over this baby that is maybe the source of light and that the light beaming up on her face is radiating from Jesus. I encourage you to put that in a special place and allow Mary to inform your faith and your living in this season. Ponder her. And alongside Mary, let your soul magnify the Lord. Let your spirit rejoice in God your Savior. Let your living sing out. Let your song blend in with hers. Understand God's deep love for you. And let the way you live say yes. Say yes to what it is that God is calling you to do. May it be so. Amen.